Ohio is a big food state. A lot of farmers, lots of processors and manufacturers, and lots and lots of hungry consumers. A sizable share of Ohio's very diverse food chain is made up by what's identified as local foods. But what is local? How do folks along the local food chain benefit? What do the economics look like? Can it grow? Today we're going to talk with an Ohio State economist and a local foods advocate and entrepreneur so we can learn more on Town Hall Ohio. This is Town Hall Ohio, home to interesting people, engaging issues, and enlightening stories. Town Hall Ohio is a production of the Ohio Farm Bureau Federation, working together for Ohio farmers to advance agriculture and strengthen our communities, and is supported by Nationwide. Nationwide is on your side. Now, here's Town Hall Ohio host, Joe Corneli. Maybe you like the taste, or maybe you want to know the grower, or maybe you believe it's better for the environment, whatever your reason, demand generally for locally produced food continues to climb. And of course, that brings with it some opportunities for farmers and perhaps entire communities. Today, we're going to look at local food systems, how they work, what the benefits may be, how the local food movement might be able to grow. We have a couple of guests with us today. Joining us by telephone is Elise Chalmers of Local Food Connection and Zoe Plakius, who is with Ohio State University's College of Food, Agricultural, and Environmental Sciences. Ladies, thanks to both of you for joining us. And uh, Elise, I know you wanted to be in the studio, but uh, sometimes work gets in the way of recording radio. So glad to have you with us on the phone. You're, You're with Local Food Connection. I think it's something that you actually started, right? That's correct. Started in 2015 in Cincinnati. And tell us what Local Food Connection is all about. So Local Food Connection really connects, as the name indicates, farmers with buyers, uh, both wholesale and retail, as well as distributors who are our clients as well. Um, We work with between 80 and 100 farmers and food artisans, mainly Ohio, but also Central Kentucky and some in Indiana. And what we do is provide a one-stop shop marketplace for those farmers to actually have a window for their products to the outside world, whether, as I said, it's households, as well as restaurants, institutions, such as schools and healthcare uh, organizations, as well as large distribution uh, buyers, such as U.S. Foods, Gordon Food Service, Creation Gardens. So it's, it's really one way with one convenient way for farmers to get their product and the, the information about the products out for others to buy. And then we provide the logistics on the back end to actually transport physically that product from their farm to the final consumer. You, you threw a term out there. Help me understand. What's a food artisan? A food artisan is um, someone that transforms that raw ingredient made in Ohio into a jam, a cheese, the milk, et cetera, et cetera. So someone that is actually providing a value-added process to a local ingredient. So I was reading your bio, and uh, while you're in the food space now, you, you your career began in finance and strategic planning. So how did you move from one area into another, or, or did you? Did you just transfer that knowledge into the food chain? A, a little bit of both. So 
it was because I moved to a rural area of Maryland, very close to the Pennsylvania border, and I was working in finance, as you said, and also helping businesses with their profitability um, targets, and realized a lot of the farmers around us were actually selling their land to be able to retire, to get some cash to be able to retire, and started getting interested in the economics of farming and realized that I could maybe provide a service to them. So worked with them on what their issues were. And one of the main issues that came out was the, you know, recreating that local food supply chain. There was really, it was very hard for these farmers to go out there, market their goods, have to come back. The more they marketed, the more time they needed actually to grow it. And then they had to go and deliver it, collect payment, do the customer service. If we could take that non specialized part of their job out of the equation and they could focus more on growing, then we, we could do this other work, maybe more efficiently by aggregating the needs of delivery and transport, for example, and then they could really focus on just growing and uh, hopefully improve their profitability. So that, that's kind of the genesis of the model. Coming here for personal reason, I realized, because I'm actually from this region originally, I realized the need was here as well. It was, it was a pervasive need, both on the farmer end and on the buyer end. Elise Chalmers is with Local Food Connection. They're based out of Cincinnati, Ohio. A lot closer to the Town Hall Ohio Studios is the campus of The Ohio State University. And with us in the room today is Zoe Plakius. Uh, she is uh, in the Department of Agricultural, Environmental, and Development Economics at Ohio State. Uh, Zoe, welcome. Your first time on the show. Yes, thank you. And hopefully we won't scare you off so you'll come back again in the future. T- tell us a little bit about your work, your your work in, in ag econ at Ohio State. Sure. Well, uh, first, just to say a little bit about our department. We, as the name, as the long name suggests, uh, we work on a number of different issues. And that's an exciting place to be because as somebody who studies agricultural economics, we know that Agriculture relates to the environment. It relates to economic development on an international and a national and a local level. And so we study all of those issues in our department. So I I work more in the agriculture space, but I get to work with a bunch of people that study um, all those different topics. And really, my focus is on um, domestic food systems, which is why I'm here, I guess. And I'm particularly interested in supply chains um, that purport to be healthier, fairer, more sustainable, where a lot of these claims are made in understanding, um, are these supply chains really meeting their stated goals? Um, And if not, how can we help them? If yes, how can I provide analysis that can help them do that better? So before we start drilling down into some of those issues that you just talked about and some of the challenges that Elise has found, Zoe, help us get the conversation started. What makes Ohio uh, ripe for a, a, a food economy at all and then as a subset of that, a, a, a local food economy? Well, as folks here at the Farm Bureau know and probably many of our listeners, um, because they're tuning in, Ohio has a rich agricultural tradition, so we have many farmers, and and we talk a lot about corn and soybeans, um, which are obviously major crops in the state, but actually Ohio can grow a wide variety of crops um, and livestock, and so that 
is the supply side. On the demand side, we also have some major urban areas um, with a wide range of consumers and, of course, rural consumers as well. And so we have demand and supply within the state. So for a local food economy, right, we need the people who are willing to buy to buy the product. And from the supply side, we need the the ability to grow the product. And we're great at that. Elise, was that the math you did when setting up local food connections? Absolutely. Uh, I was going to say the same thing. I mean, we, we've got great metropolitan areas, densely populated, uh, you know, well-educated to some extent, which is an important, if you look at who buys local food, it's very much, or who values local food, it's very much tied to educational level, actually, more than income. Um, and so from that perspective, you know, we've got communities that are aware and have some, some level of education, education of the benefits of local food. And same thing on the, on the farming end, on the supply end. We've got a, a good diversity, especially if you look from the north to the south, you know, some of the different pockets of different, um, you know, with the north, with the orchards and, and more of the vegetable growing. And then, you know, we've got good livestock um, diversity as well. Yeah, follow, follow up on that more. Uh, Zoe mentioned the diversity and you, in farm country, uh, many of our guys are and, and women are traditional farms where they grow large acreages of row crops and we have cattle and hogs and poultry and dairy but talk a little bit about the diversity that you found uh, here in ohio at least in terms of the different kinds of crops that we grow across the state yes i mean it's uh i i think there's a there's what's been existing here in ohio and 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 what the economy was sustaining which were more the row crops traditionally in the last 20 to 30 years. And before that, of course, we had, a, I think, Ohio had a very diverse, and I'm not well-versed in it, but a very diverse um, agricultural economy. It started to specialize, right? Um, and then now we're finding that there's, again, more diversity coming in with a new generation of farmers that understand that there's a market for local. So we've got new, you know, pick-your-own-berries, um, diversified vegetable farms, doing CSAs. Um, so that whole, because of the consumer demand, um, that diversity, I believe, is growing. Um, and, and so between those new types of farmers and the more traditional ones that, you know, these orchards, um, I work with an orchard that's an eighth-generation orchard um, up in Dark County. So, I mean, it's just wonderful to see that mix of the traditional uh, the, the, the multi-generation farms and the new farmers that are really have to learn on the spot and are supported by organizations like OFA that does education as a beginner farmer training programs or extension, of course, that provides great, great training. But where they're really learning, they're not learning from their parents, they're, lear- they're, they're learning on their own for, for, uh, for a good many of them. So, Elise, I have a follow-up question for you. I'm just curious, what are the top three products that you see coming through local food connections and through your marketplace, just to kind of give us an idea of what you see selling. Yeah, great question. You know, um, it's been changing with our markets that are changing. You know, we started just with restaurants and um, now are doing a lot of institutions, schools, et cetera. So I would say right now our top crops are actually apples because of the uh, school you know, market that we have. Uh, but also eggs, a pastured uh, non-GMO um, uh, eggs. So, you know, eggs with a certain values attached to them, I guess. And then um, probably 
tomatoes. Tomatoes might be the third crop. I haven't looked at the list recently, but I would say that's probably in the top five as well. Uh, how, how much diversified vegetables in general that, that that change with the seasons? How, how much growth are you seeing in the artisans that I particularly appreciate that you you, you mentioned? Uh, those that are turning uh, grains and uh, and and some other farm products into beer, wine, and spirits. Uh, that seems to be a pretty big growing part of 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 local products too. Do you do you see that, Elise? I do. It's not so much, for example, the brewery. Of course, we've got some hops growers and and things like that. So the, I, I'm seeing that from the outside. But uh, I do believe on the brain side, I think we could do more. I think there's a a huge demand for um, what I guess what's, what's called ancient grains, and so you, but you need that infrastructure for processing for grains, and, and you need volume to be able to to you know to get the get the right profitability on, on putting a processing plant together. So I think there's a lot of potential in grains if you're looking at food grains or or, or you know for the for the uh, consumer market um, beans you know shagbark. Mill, everyone knows. I think in um, in uh, south uh, southeastern uh, Ohio has been an amazing example of what's been done on processed and processed and artisan artisan food. I don't know if you all are aware of them, uh, but that's just an example of a company that's done an incredible job by providing uh, you know by providing processing, um, increasing the market for local market for for uh, for uh, farmers. We're talking local foods, local food systems today on Town Hall, Ohio. Joining us by telephone from down to Cincinnati is Elise Chalmers. She is the uh, founder of Local Food Connection and with us from Ohio State University, Zoe Plakius, an ag economist. We'll be back to talk more right after this. Are you a small business owner supporting and involved with agriculture such as farm equipment, food processing, grocery store, or restaurant service? Do you continue to search for reliable and affordable health coverage? Then search no more. The Ohio Farm Bureau has taken action to offer a new self-funded medical plan to save on expenses. This new health benefits plan, administered in part by Medical Mutual, offers great rates, expanded well care, fixed monthly payments, and a variety of plan designs to meet your needs. Specialty products available to employees include dental, vision, and disability at specially discounted rates. This plan also includes a 24-7 nurse line and a physician consultation service for your convenience. Search no more. Visit ofbhealthbenefitsplan.org. Receive your exceptionally discounted quote today. That's ofbhealthbenefitsplan.org. Behind every successful FFA student stands a dedicated and supportive agriculture educator. To help shed light on the importance of ag ed and the tremendous contribution of teachers, Nationwide has established the Golden Owl Award, honoring the Ag Educator of the Year. Honorees from all over Ohio will be selected, and one will be chosen for the coveted Golden Owl Award and $3,000 to support their continued educational efforts. Nominate your middle or high school ag instructor now through November 16th by going to goldenowlaward.com. Look at this house, Brad. Just the place for some songwriting inspiration. It could be a song about home insurance or auto insurance or a car home bundle with Nationwide. Two songs in one. What would you call that, a crossover? I think it's more of a mashup, Peyton. Yeah, a mashup. Genius. Let's make a mashup. 
Nationwide is proud to be the exclusive insurance provider for Ohio Farm Bureau. To find a local farm agent, visit farmagentfinder.com. Savings compared to standalone price of each policy. Products availability varies by state agent and other factors. Nationwide Mutual Insurance Company, Columbus, Ohio. We believe in food. Grown in the fields of Ohio. In clean air and water. And in preserving farmland forever. We believe in opportunities for the next generation. For nearly 100 years, Ohio Farm Bureau has been bringing people together. Join us in the journey. Together. Together. Together with farmers. Visit togetherwithfarmers.org. Have you heard about the Ohio Farm Bureau Energy Program? Eligible members are saving an average of 15% on their electric and natural gas bills. The program works through a network of suppliers to secure cost-saving pricing in competitive electric and natural gas regions. We've heard from members who've saved hundreds of dollars annually on their energy costs. Getting started is easy. Simply call the Energy Program Customer Service Line, 800-830-3501, and our representative will assist you from there. 800-830-3501. You can also visit OFBF.org savings to learn more. And on market day in our hometown, we rise and shine and head on down where the families and the farmers meet and thrive. Because we're taking nature's course, we get it fresh right from the source where the bounty of the county comes alive. Where the bounty of the county comes alive. Local food systems in Ohio is our topic this week. On the phone with us from our office in Cincinnati is Elise Chalmers, a local food connection founder, and Zoe Plakius, who is an ag economist at The Ohio State University. We've used the term local, but maybe we ought to just back up a few steps, Zoe, and help us understand how do you define local, and, and does everybody have the same definition? No, short answer. Everybody does not have the same definition. So one definition that that does get thrown around is the USDA statutory definition, so the legal definition that's used in some of their programs, which is within 400 miles of where produced, so marketed within 400 miles or within the state. But some individuals would not consider 400 miles. 400 miles miles doesn't sound local to some people. To some people, exactly. So, So there is definitely some disagreement there. There's also talk about short or direct supply chains which are supply chains in which you just have fewer intermediaries. So in that case, there's a definition that's based less on the distance and more on the distance in supply chain terms. And so that's another way that, that folks are defining local and talking about it in terms of, of direct. Now, another, um, another kind of piece of this is that some programs have no real definition of local. For instance, farm to school programs, um, even though we, we talk about farm to school, so the uh, farmers selling directly to K through 12 schools in the U.S. There's a huge number of schools and districts doing that. Uh, what we find is that the USDA does not have any definition that they require for schools for local. So actually in research with some folks at Ohio State, we found that as the um, schools increase the radius of their definition of local, they expand their local food spending. And you raise this question of at what point is lo- are any kind of benefits of local offset by just continuing to expand the definition? So I think there's a lot of, of different definitions out there. So it's it, it typical of every time I ask an economist a question, the answer is, well, it, that depends. Absolutely. Uh, <laughs> Elise, uh, from your perspective, uh, h- how do you define local? 
Well, I don't consider myself an economist, but I do want to say it depends, too. <laughs> um, because actually, it really my, our first question to a new buyer, someone interested, is what is your definition of local? It's very much buyer-driven. And though 400 miles is never in the definition, so I want to say that, that's a definition that just helps, I think, larger national distributors um, say that they're doing local. I don't see how else... Because for us, for the buyer, it's can they connect with a source? It's, that's what the question really about. So for many schools is, I want to be able to send my kids to a field trip to that farm. So if it's two or three hours away, that makes it difficult. So some of it, for some schools, it's just a couple of counties around us. For others, it's in our state. And for example, I see a big difference between our Columbus uh, buyers they, for them, it really is about Ohio Proud, whereas in Cincinnati, being a border city, it's about a geographic distance from Cincinnati. So, we, we, you know, a lot of our Cincinnati clients consider northern Kentucky or central Kentucky as local. And it makes a lot of sense, right? I mean, they, they can go there. Uh, they can understand. They can visit the farm. Um, so, I, I, you know, again, it, it's very much in the eyes of the beholder. But I think it's a really good question you've got to ask at the beginning. And if you can make that connection, if you can, uh, if, if it vehicles those values of local, then I think you've, you've met the mark. You've met the, the objective. So as you said, it's a, it, it's a matter of perspective. And, and I want to get into just a little bit of an area here by throwing out this comment about uh, where Ohio Farm Bureau stands in, in terms of local food or traditional farming and so on down the line our 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 stance is choice uh we believe that farmers and consumers should be able to produce and buy uh from any type of farm that they're comfortable with and and farmers like uh, likewise should be able to produce in those manners so having said that as uh, a preface at least when you talk to consumers uh in general what are the top one or two reasons they say they actually prefer local, whatever their own definition of local is? Why do they want it? Why do they like it? Quality and taste, I believe, is number one. Um, especially in the restaurant industry, they would say, you know, I love to support our local farm, and that's probably number two is support, and the money stays in the local economy. But the number one is it's just better food. And you know, I think that that speaks to the, I think to the long-term sustainability of that of this. What people might say, oh, this is just a short-term phase. Well, it's not because, you know, if it's if it increases the dining experience for the restaurant, then that's good business. Um, for schools, if it increases the education, if it increases the nutritional value, and there's I think a lot of research out there. It's really hard. I'm not a scientist, but some research will say, you know, the nutritional value of local is higher because it hasn't traveled as much. It's being picked at maturity. You can offer varieties that have greater nutritional value that were not uh, bred for transport and warehousing. So, you know, that, that, I guess number three is the nutritional value. So number one, taste, quality. Number two, improve, you know, money goes back to the local economy. Number three um, is nutritional value. Does that make sense? 30 seconds, Zoe. Do you, do you, have you heard anything else or you're, you're kind of nodding your head yeah on this? I would agree with, with uh, most of that and <clears throat> say that some folks think it's better for the environment. And so that would be, <clears throat> excuse me, 
um, another, another reason. And ultimately, I think it's all about acquiring food from a source that folks trust. We'll be back to talk more about local food systems. We're going to dig into some of the economics of it. Does it work? Does it reach the goals it says it has? As we continue on Town Hall, Ohio. Our topic, local food systems, our experts in this space, Elise Chalmers, she's with Local Food Connection, joining us by phone from Cincinnati, Zoe Plakius, an ag economist at The Ohio State University. We talked about why consumers say they like local. Zoe, how about on the farmer side, on the producer side, the farm families that get into local production, what, why do they do it? Well, first of all, I would say that the farm families, many of them have the same motivations as consumers. Some of these values that we just talked about that consumers have related to quality, health, taste, supporting the community. Um, at the same time, there is evidence that local food does, uh, that consumers, excuse me, are willing to pay a premium for local food. So there is a potentially an opportunity for farmers to increase their profits by selling directly to consumers or in local markets. At least the farmers you work with, do they reflect the, the description that Zoe just shared? Absolutely. And I think, you know, a lot of them, and I think it's good business practice, try to have diversified outlets so that they're not, you know, they're, they're minimizing their risk. If, if you, if one market isn't doing as well, you can, you can switch to another one. So I think local is one of the ways to diversify from maybe one large um, national buyer. We're going to drill down onto, onto a more local, local food subsystem, but I want to maybe Zoe have you give us just some of the, the big picture. Uh, the local foods seems to have been exploding. Is that the case? Is that continuing? What's the market development look like? Well, we have seen from what we can tell, and we're not very good at measuring this yet because we're still, we're just increasing kind of our measurement tools for local foods nationally. Um, we see it's about 3% of farm sales that's marketed through local channels in 2017. So that was the last ag census nationally. That's $11.8 billion. And 75 of that, 75% of that was marketed directly to retailers, institutions, and food hubs. And 25% of that was directly to consumers um, in terms of sales. Now, if we look to Ohio, about 8% of Ohio farms are participating um, in some way in these um, local uh, food, in this local food system. And the sales uh, directly to consumers went up between 2012 and 2017, but actually the number of farmers participating went down. So we have fewer farms that are selling locally relative to 2012, but each of them is earning more from those sales. Also, we have about 1,000 farms selling to retail institution and local intermediaries like food hubs. Um, and this is really where there's a huge, uh, a large amount of sales. As you can imagine, this is where there can be some, some bulk sales. And altogether in Ohio, um, direct marketing represents 2.1% of agricultural sales as of 2017. So how do those trends affect what you're doing at local at local food connection, Elise? Uh, t t tell, tell me what the model looks like of, of uh, selling tomatoes to uh, restaurants in central or southwest Ohio? Uh, 
so can you repeat that question? I'm not quite sure where you're going with it. Well, I mean, I, what I hear. For, yeah, go ahead. Well, I, I guess what I was trying to maybe follow up on is some real world of what uh, Zoe just described. We've got maybe not quite as many local food producers, but they are larger and they're selling more product to schools, institutions, food hubs, as opposed to a roadside stand. Uh, how, is, is that how it plays out with the farmers that you're working with? Yes, I mean, I, I think it really uh, is a question. I think it, it's, it's a tough one. Those 1,000 farmers, uh, Zoe mentioned, uh, they're hard to, it's what I guess I call an I believe some economists call, correct me if I'm wrong, Zoe, the ag in the middle, right? It's those farmers that aren't selling to national players, they're sell- but they're still selling bulk and wholesale. So they can't quite get the pricing they get at the farmer's market, uh, so they need more volume. And I believe the role we play as a food hub is to provide them a market. Uh, and so we can grow those, those medium, I would say, larger family farms or medium-sized, small to medium-sized farms. Um, the, the, the tomatoes in, in the restaurants, uh, those you can find, because we're an aggregator, we could have the small one-acre farmer sell to that restaurant as well as, you know, the larger, the larger ag-in-the-middle farmer, the one that, you know, maybe has uh, 50 to 100 acres. Um, so I, I think, I think we, we would love to work with more what we call ag-in-the-middle farmers. And I don't know, Zoe, if you can give a better definition than me on that on that you know that type of farmer that segment well I'm, I'm glad you brought up ag in the middle at least because i think that's um, important so these are medium-sized farms that not your smallest farms not your biggest farms somewhere in the middle and they have a hard time kind of figuring out where they fit in markets so i think that certainly is a group that can take advantage of these bulk purchases in direct markets L- let me get away from local foods this is a great opportunity real quick uh zoe to make a point that i often share with folks one of the advantages of farming in ohio is the non-farming employment opportunity. And, and so we've got a lot of farmers who, you know, the, the wife may run the farm and the husband works at a bank or something like that. It's a pretty widespread model in Ohio. Yes, absolutely. And we can see that as both an advantage from a risk management kind of perspective for a household, but also a challenge because sometimes, you know, folks are doing that because, say, they need the health insurance from the work, something like that. So um, the question might be, you know, is that optimal for households and how can we help them achieve, you know, more stability in their income? More on local food systems in Ohio when we continue after this. Look at this house, Brad. Just the place for some songwriting inspiration. It could be a song about home insurance or auto insurance or a car home bundle with Nationwide. Two songs in one. What would you call that, a crossover? I think it's more of a mashup, Peyton. Yeah, a mashup. Genius, let's make a mashup. Nationwide is proud to be the exclusive insurance provider for Ohio Farm Bureau. To find a local farm agent, visit farmagentfinder.com. Savings compared to standalone price of each policy. Products availability varies by state agent and other factors. Nationwide Mutual Insurance Company, Columbus, Ohio. To some, that sound means the day is ruined. To a farmer, it's the sound of life sustained. Every farmer understands the value of clean water. Ohio Farm Bureau understands it too. So on behalf of our members, we've invested millions of dollars through research and action to help improve clean water for all of us. To learn more on how you can join our efforts, visit FarmersForWater.org today. 
With over 300,000 horses in Ohio, the economic impact of the equine industry in the state is valued at $1.4 billion. Much of that value comes from standard bred horse owners, breeders, trainers, and drivers who participate in the sport of harness racing in the Buckeye State, all supported by the Ohio Harness Horsemen's Association. Since 1953, the mission of the OHHA is to preserve, protect, promote, and serve the entire standard bred industry in Ohio and beyond. And the relationship between OHHA members and Ohio agriculture is undeniable. Farmers provide feed bedding and stables for the horses and in turn those amazingly fast four-legged athletes provide a major draw to Ohio's county fairs bringing revenue to our rural communities. OHHA membership has its privileges. Members reap the benefits of having a strong voice for shaping statewide policies, receive continuous industry education and valuable information in OHHA newsletters and magazines. Check out OHHA.com to find out how the Ohio Harness Horsemen's Association is making great strides for you. That's OHHA.com. Grass-fed beef and pastured hens live the way they should. Buy from those who raise them, you get beef that's really good. When your food lives where you do, it travels fewer miles. So buy fresh, buy local, get a farmer's market smile. Welcome back to Town Hall, Ohio. Our topic is local food systems. On the phone with us from uh, Cincinnati, Ohio is Elise Chalmers. She is the founder of Local Food Connection. Zoe Plakius, an economist at Ohio State University. So you, you, you made the point earlier, I think both of you ladies did, that uh, much of the local food sales goes to people that frankly have more money in their pocket than maybe others do. Uh, so if we look solely at the per- producer's perspective the idea is to um, reflect the values that are important to them but it's also to make money uh, Elise, as you look at uh, many of the farmers that you're working with if if part at least part of their motivation is to reap financial rewards how are they doing is it working out i think it's working out i mean not a hundred percent of the time i think one of the things that i'm excited about and i think our producers are excited about you know, the restaurant market is great because we've got chefs that really appreciate what these guys do, but it's not always reliable, right? Because you're at the mercy of your clientele coming into that restaurant. If sales go down, then that immediately affects your purchases of local food. What's really exciting is working with the schools now and the institutions. If there's a commitment, as we know, ag is all about minimizing risk. There's a lot of risk in agriculture. So what we're the, the, the good trend right now, the good news is, for example, Cincinnati Public Schools voted for the Good Food Purchasing Program. Uh, so they now are incentivized and are mandated to buy local. So we can actually plan ahead and tell your orchard or tell um, our vegetable grower, you, we're com- you know, there's a commitment for the year to buy X amount every week. And that's, that's hugely positive for everyone. Yeah. You're minimizing the risk, and you have a, a, a confirmed income. Or yeah, confirmed, and any business producer uh, will, income. Any business producer will tell you if they have some certainty, <laughs> it, it makes makes a big difference. I want to jump uh, to the the community value of local foods. I know I know you studied this, Zoe. Um, so let's say the consumer loves it. The farmer's making uh, the profit that that she wants to. But there's talk about local foods as a economic driver for local communities. What what do you see them? Well, so we do see evidence that there are some small positive gains from local food spending in communities. Now, the reason that they're smaller than than maybe what 
they're often discussed to be is because we have to think when local food is there's some kind of program that's increasing local food purchasing, a lot of the resources that are being used to do that were used to do something else before. And so if people who were the farmers were working in some other industry in the same community, if they were doing something else, they were still providing a positive economic impact to that community. So when we factor in that kind of we, that offsetting cost of uh, expanding the local food economy, we see that there are some gains, but they're often fairly, um, fairly small positive, positive gains. Now, one thing that's often discussed in local food uh, spending is that when you are spending on local, you're then recirculating those dollars in the community, right? A, local, a farmer um, that is in your community might be more likely to spend their dollars at the local feed store, at the local, with the local accountant, right? In those different local markets. And so those dollars stay in the community uh, for, for longer. Elise, are you seeing community uh, communities in Ohio that that want to use this local food system perhaps as a piece of their economic development model? All the time, absolutely. I think it's um, we see we work with a lot of uh, county and municipality um, folks that really want to put agriculture as part of the solution to revitalize their their community and their neighborhood it's it, it's very much now i think it's something that's much more talked about as being able to have an impact than it used to be i just want to add quickly to that and, and thank you elise i completely agree with what you're saying one thing that i didn't mention when i was purely talking about the economic impacts for community is one thing economists aren't great at measuring is some of the kind of intangibles of community engagement of um, social kind of cohesion and some of those things that sociologists and anthropologists and other types of scholars talk about one of, are, are things that I think are a, a benefit of local. And as economists, I think we need to work harder to integrate those into our models so we can put uh, more of a value on that to see how those fit into the picture. Do you see that as well, um, Elise? Yes. I mean, I, you know, I think there's a lot of excitement over pe- people really want to reconnect. I mean, the, so that those intangibles are, are, are very important. Um, I mean, I, I love how much more uh, curiosity there is uh, among, you know, citizens in general about where the food comes from and everything else that goes with it and the experience, you know, and the satisfaction of supporting local. We will be back to wrap up our conversation on local foods with Zoe Plakius of Ohio State, Elise Chalmers of Local Food Connection. We'll do that when we return here on Town Hall Ohio. Behind every successful FFA student stands a dedicated and supportive agriculture educator. To help shed light on the importance of ag ed and the tremendous contribution of teachers, Nationwide has established the Golden Owl Award, honoring the Ag Educator of the Year. Honorees from all over Ohio will be selected, and one will be chosen for the coveted Golden Owl Award and $3,000 to support their continued educational efforts. Nominate your middle or high school ag instructor now through November 16th by going to goldenowlaward.com. Look at this house, Brad. Just the place for some songwriting inspiration. It could be a song about home insurance or auto insurance or a car home bundle with Nationwide. Two songs in one. What would you call that, a crossover? I think it's more of a mashup, Peyton. Yeah, a mashup. Genius, let's make a mashup. Nationwide is proud to be the exclusive insurance provider for Ohio Farm Bureau. To find a local farm agent, visit farmagentfinder.com. 
Savings compared to standalone price of each policy. Products availability varies by state agent and other factors. Nationwide mutual insurance company, Columbus, Ohio. Are you a small business owner supporting agriculture, such as farm equipment, food processing, grocery store, or restaurant service? Do you continue to search for reliable and affordable health coverage? Search no more. The Ohio Farm Bureau has taken action to offer a new self-funded medical plan to save on expenses. This new health benefits plan, administered in part by Medical Mutual, offers great rates, expanded well care, and a variety of plans designed to meet your needs. Specialty products available to employees include dental, vision, and disability at specially discounted rates. This plan also includes a 24-7 nurse line and a physician consultation service for your convenience. Search no more. Visit OFBHealthBenefitsPlan.org. Receive your exceptionally discounted quote today. That's OFBHealthBenefitsPlan.org. OFBHealthBenefitsPlan.org. Ohio Farm Bureau is proud to announce its new partnership with the Ford Motor Company, and it's good news for Farm Bureau members. Members get $500 in bonus cash on eligible new Ford cars and trucks, or $750 in bonus cash on eligible Lincoln vehicles. Not a member? Well, join now, and in 30 days, you're eligible. For complete information on program details, visit OFBF.org. At Georgia Boot, we build our boots just like the people who wear them. Tough, dependable, and hardworking. You need a boot that you can count on. That's why Georgia Boot always uses rich, full-grain leathers and comfort insoles to maximize your all-day comfort. We've been building boots that way since 1937. You pick the best tools for the job, why would your boots be any different? Georgia Boot is America's hardest-working boot. Go to georgiaboot.com to see our latest promotions or to find a dealer near you. With over 300,000 horses in Ohio, the economic impact of the equine industry in the state is valued at $1.4 billion. Much of that value comes from standard bred horse owners, breeders, trainers, and drivers who participate in the sport of harness racing in the Buckeye State. All supported by the Ohio Harness Horsemen's Association. Since 1953, the mission of the OHHA is to preserve, protect, promote, and serve the entire standard bred industry in Ohio and beyond. And the relationship between OHHA members and Ohio agriculture is undeniable. Farmers provide feed bedding, and stables for the horses. And in turn, those amazingly fast four-legged athletes provide a major draw to Ohio's county fairs, bringing revenue to our rural communities. OHHA membership has its privileges. Members reap the benefits of having a strong voice for shaping statewide policies, receive continuous industry education, and valuable information in OHHA newsletters and magazines. Check out OHHA.com to find out how the Ohio Harness Horsemen's Association is making great strides for you. That's OHHA.com. But in many ways, I'm a lot like you. Cause I'm a small business too. Whoa, I'm a small fry just like you. Anyway, it's all still small business too. A lot of small businesses in Ohio fit in the local foods structure of the Buckeye State. That's our topic today with Zoe Plakius, economist at Ohio State University and the founder of Local Food Connection, Elise Chalmers. Uh, if I can give her description in shorthand, she takes groups of farmers and puts them together with groups of buyers and and hopefully consumers get good food and farmers make money while they're doing it. Uh, as we look down the road here, uh, Elise, we'll start with you. 
what what's the future look like just more of what we're doing on a larger scale are there are there other trends developing what's it look like down the road oh i think that more of the same um i think there's some things that i would i would emphasize that need to happen for local to continue to grow one is truth and advertising i think there are a lot of folks that want to jump on the bandwagon and are not actually buying local or buying maybe a case of tomatoes and that farmer's name stays on the menu for three years, but he really is not seeing the economic benefit behind it. This is really something that um, is dangerous because, you know, those that are really actually doing the right thing and putting their money where their mouth is are not, you know, are are not rewarded or, uh, you know, to, to the extent that they should. So I think that's really important in terms of the future. Continuing with, Providing targets like buying 20% local, what OSU is doing with a 40% goal, that is paramount to the continuation of this because it's through those goals that's going to be really what, what's going to drive change for the producer. So we let you uh, maybe do a little forecasting what it looks like down the road here, 5, 10, 15 years. Well, I think that local food systems will continue to be important and particularly in this role in the communities and as an amenity um, in uh, both rural and urban areas. Um, consumers, I think, are going to continue to prioritize some of the same things, health, you know, qu- high quality food, so taste, uh, freshness, price is always important. Um, but as larger players see the um, all of the hype about local and the consumer interest in purchasing local and purchasing it at a higher price, they're continually continually trying to break into that market, right, to, to get a piece of that pie. And so the extent to which um, they can provide more of those things, start to regain more trust with consumers that I think has been lost over time, then I will, I do think that we'll see local food system challenged by some kind of uh, larger uh, retailers um, over time. Do you, do you fear that might happen? I mean, we saw it happen, uh, at least with organic. Uh, you know, organic was, uh, and, and I'm, I'm, I'm joking here, but it was the barefoot couple with the bib overalls, and uh, they had five acres, and they put, some out, put out some organic green beans. And the next thing you know, you can buy green giant organic green beans in the freezer at your Kroger's or Giant Eagle. It's true. And, but, you know, I think, again, that's where the transparency comes in. Um, I think it's great, actually, if we can find the lo- local product everywhere, uh, including partnering with a Kroger and everything else, as long as it's truly local, as long as there's transparency. And to your point, Joe, that doesn't mean that there's a, a set definition. It is a question of choice, but let the information be out. Yes, this farm, you know, John Smith's farm, is you know, we're saying it's local, and this is how far away it is from our store, right? As long as that information is out there, somebody might say, Okay, good. That's exactly what I want to support. And someone else might say, that's not local to me. I'm not going to make that choice. So, at, least, at least real um, quick here. Transparency is important. Real quick here. We've only got about a minute left. Uh, if a consumer, a farmer, an institution wants to know more about local food systems and local food connection in particular, how do they, how do they find you? I assume you're on the web somewhere. On the web, absolutely. We, we, we are always looking for farmers that um, looking for markets as well as consumers. Um, we are in Dayton, Cincinnati, but our farmers are throughout Ohio. Come to www.localfoodconnection.net. There's an extension office uh, within a stone's throw of everybody in Ohio, uh, the Ohio State University, but, but, does, but does the College of Food, Agricultural, and Environmental Sciences have resources to help these people that might want to jump in? 
Absolutely. So um, folks can uh, contact me if they want the research end of things, but we've also got a direct marketing team out of the OSU South Centers in Piketon and other um, resources online if you just Google Local Foods Ohio State University. Great show today, ladies. Appreciate both of you being with us. Uh, Although Elise by telephone, glad you could join us. Elise Chalmers, Local Food Connection. Zoe Plakius, Extension Economist, well, not Extension, but Economist at The Ohio State University. Thanks to all of you for tuning us in this week on Town Hall Ohio. Town Hall Ohio is a project of the Ohio Farm Bureau Federation and is brought to you with the support of Nationwide. Nationwide is on your side. Join us again next week for Town Hall Ohio.